Her name was uh, Patty. She was like a cousin to us. My mom and Patty's mom were in the hospital together, shared a room when my mom was giving birth to my sister. And Josephine, Patty's mom, was giving birth to Patty. And so they became really close friends. And in that friendship, we en ended up just kind of connecting with them. And I always called her Aunt Josephine, because that's what I thought she was. I didn't know till later that what the story really was. I think you remember me at some point, some of you that were here, remember me talking about uh, Michael, a young man that was a drug addict. And we even prayed for him. And Michael was Patricia's or Patty's brother. So we were really, really close. Uh, at some point, however, her parents went through this very brutal divorce. She and her brother moved from one bad neighborhood to another, which was worse than the one before, because mom was poor and she was with the children. She had no friends except for those rare visits with us when Josephine would take her to our house and when we would go there and visit. And soon mom could not afford to provide for them anymore. Their husband was a deadbeat husband. Her mom began to develop some psychological problems and she ended up having to temporarily have her kids be in foster homes. And so Patty went from foster home to foster home to foster home to foster home. And it was not a good situation. She developed this deep loneliness, longing for the day that maybe one day, and if you've been a child of divorced parents, you, you understand this, maybe one day things would work out. They would come back and they would want her and Michael. They, they, they would love her. She struggled, like many children, because she thought, maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's something I said, or maybe it was when I lost my temper that one time. Or, you know what it's like. And the loneliness just got worse and worse and worse. She became a teenager, and she began to rebel. Parents never got together. She began to lash out at the world, and then herself. She longed to belong. The absence of her mom and her brother and her dad just got to a point that became unbearable. And then one day she decided she would run. And she did. I believe she was 16 years old at the time. And she just began to hitchhike. She didn't even know where she was going. Just hitchhike. I never forget the call when Josephine called my mom my mom started crying. I knew something was not right. And Josephine had, was telling my mom that, that they couldn't find Patty. They didn't know where she was. And then about four days later, they found Patty. They found her on the side of the road, half dead. She'd been raped and beaten. 
which caused mom to finally wake up. And so she asked for some help, and we got her into this uh, rehab place called Four Seasons in upstate New York. And my friend Joe and I, we would go and visit Patty and her friends there. But there was something that had totally changed about it. In fact, the first time we went to visit, she didn't even recognize us. And to be honest with you, I hardly recognized her. That deep loneliness had taken her to such a place that was so, so difficult. Her mom finally brought her home. She allowed her to stay for a while, but it was awkward. And deep within her heart, Patty longed to be included, but she was hesitant to push herself. And Josephine ended up finding a boyfriend, and it became even more awkward. Reluctantly, she squeezed out the words, I don't want to be in your way, Mom. Maybe it's best if I'm not around. Maybe I should go. Hoping the mom would say, of course, no, no, of course, stay. But mom didn't say anything. She didn't say go, but she didn't say stay either. And Patty figured it out. So she packed up her bag, rolled up her stuff, and left. And since that dark moment, she has walked the streets, slept in alleys, eaten out of garbage cans. She's been confused, disillusioned, terribly lonely, in need of being wanted. I have no idea, nobody knows what happened to Patty. From time to time, those childhood memories come back, and I think about the times we used to play and have fun together. Any of you have cousins that you're that close to? You know what I'm talking about? Tragic enough, if it were a rare situation, but I think everyone in here knows that that story is multiplied over and over and over again. There are people all over this world that struggle with loneliness for all kinds of reasons. We, we, here at this church, encounter individuals with loneliness every day, and we may not even realize it. But this place right here may be their only semblance of home. They feel unwanted, they feel forgotten, and often turn to things like gangs or internet or Facebook, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's like their community. And if you're one of them right here, right now, I want you to know this church is your family. Amen. We are way better than Facebook and nowhere near, although we are a little dangerous, but nowhere near as dangerous as a gang. I'm not going to lie to you. The adventure of following Jesus can be quite dangerous at times but it's a lot of fun. Loneliness. We live in a culture where we don't like to talk about loneliness. In fact, we don't like to admit that there is loneliness. We struggle with saying, hey, I'm lonely, because we feel like that's like a loser, L, lonely loser. You know, it's like, why would I do that, right? Listen, if you are part of this church, if you come here, or if this is your first time here and you've experienced loneliness, or if you're experienced being alone, you don't know where to go, here's what we promise you. We're going to guide you somewhere where you can find a place, if that's what you need, and we'll be here for you anytime you need us. 
we will provide a meal for you every Sabbath, both physical and spiritual. And we will provide brothers and sisters that will love you forever. Amen. A few months ago, a special young lady came to this church. She had found us, I believe, on the internet. Her plan was to go and visit all the churches in the Tri-Cities because she had moved here from Idaho. And as uh, she shares with us, is she came here planning to go to other churches and decided, nah, I think I'm just going to stay with this church. How cool is that, right? I'm going to ask Brandy to come up. Brandy, you've decided to sit back there now, so you're going to have to make your walk up here. Brandy is my person that I'm going to interview today. Um, I think we have the microphone right there. Perfect. Come on up here. She's got her interview outfit on. Have you noticed that? I like that. Come on up here. How are you doing? I'm a little nervous. Good. <laughs> Remember when we say excited, not yeah, nervous, right? I'm really Very excited. cool. Brandy, uh, I know that this is going to be difficult for, to share, but see what you can do here. You did a fantastic job when you and I talked in our pre interview, so yeah. I know you're going to do great here. I'm so. just hoping I don't forget what I said. <laughs> no, it's, that's okay. You can make up a whole other story. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Let's start with this. How would you describe your life growing up? And, and you and I have to put that like, yeah. Okay, um, so uh, just one thing that comes to mind when you said that yesterday was um, something that I don't really, I didn't really like to tell people um, because I was, I was kind of ashamed of it, even though like it's, it's not really anything to be ashamed of, I guess, but that's that um, I was homeschooled for most of my life growing up, and that's like, that's all I really knew. I didn't um, my only my only schoolmates were my brothers and my sister, and uh, we didn't. I didn't ever leave the house. I was always there, and I lived in this this small town, um, really small town. And like when people think small town, you know, they think uh, like Mayberry. You know, like everybody knows everybody, and it's a great place. But it it really wasn't. It's, nobody knew anybody. It was a town where everyone just kind of kept to themselves, and mm. like. You didn't ever see your neighbors except to see them walking across, you know, to get in their cars and go somewhere because, like, anything you wanted to do was out of that town. <laughs> you didn't, there was nothing to do in town, so. And there wasn't anyone really my age in the town, so it's not like I could just go out and make friends with my neighbors who had a kid my age. Um, but, yeah, so growing up homeschooled, I never, I never went to school because all my schoolwork was done at home, and I was just, I was at home all the time, basically. So. When did you begin to kind of recognize the fact that some of this feeling that you were having that was kind of unsettling and, and, and different was loneliness? I think when, when I started to realize that I was like really, really lonely was um, around age 11. I had just moved out of my parents' house and into my grandmother's house next door. And my... The one friend I did have in town moved out, mm. and uh, my mom decided. She decided that she didn't. She decided that she wanted to pursue a career that she'd like dreamed about, and she didn't get to like chase after that dream when she was younger because she got married right away and had kids mm. right away. So it wasn't like she really had any time to to go after this career that she wanted. So now, at this point, I was 11 years old. She, she decided she wanted to go back to school and, and get a job, and she was, 
at that point, she was, she had been a stay-at-home mother up until then, so like we, we were pretty used to having her around. Um, but when she decided to go to school and go to work, she was gone from sunup to sundown, and we didn't see her for months, and at some points it felt like we had no mother. Where and was of course, dad? dad was working too. He, he'd had a job, but he'd been working uh, since we were little. He's a mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, so after work, he long would hours. like, yeah, long hours. He'd go to work, um, work all day at the shop, and then he'd go to his friend's shop and work there just to make money to feed us and, you know, pay for the house and stuff. You, you went to church, though, right? You were raised a Christian. You went to church. How was church? How was that community? Um, so we only, like, we went to church usually on Saturday. That was, like, the only thing, the only time we ever left the house. Um, but it was only if our parents felt like, you know, they were up to it taking us, so yeah. yeah, it was. Um, but the church that I grew up in, they, my family, there was one kid in every Sabbath school class and they were all my siblings. <laughs> there were no, <laughs> <laughs> my mom was a Sabbath school teacher, my dad was a <laughs> Sabbath school teacher, there was, so it was a small church. Um, you think? But it, <laughs> yeah. But it was also like, I don't know, just the atmosphere there was like nobody really genuinely wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. They just came because everyone, every, it was small enough that everyone there had a job to do. There was the pastor, there were the deacons, there were the Sabbath school teachers, um, greeters, sound guy. It's, it was like everyone was there for a job and the couple of people in the audience were just not too thrilled to be there. And I just, growing up in, in that church and everyone was just, I don't know, like... You shared with me your, your, your picture of God during that time. Can you share that? Yeah, it was... So I feel like church is supposed to be teaching you about God's love and compassion, but instead, all they taught me was that the God who created the universe wanted nothing to do with me because I was too broken, too messed up, too pathetic and sinful that he could never want me. I was not holy enough mm. for God. And I just kind of really felt like he was some angry, sentient being up in the sky and I could never touch him. I could never reach him. And he would never, you know, out of, out of like seven billion people in the world, what was I to be noticed by an almighty God? What was I? I was nothing. That's kind of where that's, I that's where you were. felt and you more said lonely. You went to homeschool for most of your time, right? But there was one year that you ended up going to a Christian high school, a non-denominational yeah. Christian high school. Mm -hmm. what, what year was that? That was my senior year. So you were in, in um, homeschooling all the way up to uh -huh. senior year. Your senior year, somehow you got to go to this Christian school. Yes. <laughs> Thank and God. Big school, um, right? Oh, no. no. It was my graduating class was six people. Six people. Wow. Yeah. We had seven, but we lost yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Almost perfect. Yeah. And, and so there was an experience you talked to me about there that, 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 yeah. that happened. Um, so going to high school uh, was, like, shocking. <laughs> it was kind of like just being thrown in the water and, like, go ahead, figure out how to swim. I didn't really know much about socializing or, you know, making friends. So I just kind of kept to myself and um, tried to just go to school and not cause too much of a ruckus, not like be too weird, you know, like the weird homeschooler over there. <laughs> um, so I just, I was kind of quiet and still very, still battling with loneliness, even though 
I was surrounded by people, by classmates, and by all the other grades because they had a bunch of other grades. <laughs> yeah. um, that's how school works, I guess. But yeah. it was still very lonely. And I remember sitting in the cafeteria. I always sat by myself. And one day, this girl walked up to me, and she was just like, hey, come sit with us. And it was, it was from then that my life was changed. Like, it was her. That 14-year-old that girl that... So she wasn't even a senior. She wasn't even... She was a right. freshman, and I was, like, this quiet senior, and she just came up to me and was like... Her name Come was? on, Cynthia. Cynthia, yes. Yeah. And, and, and so what did she say? There was something you told me she said to you. Um, about <laughs> not sitting... So she, she was like, hey, come sit with us. And then, like, I noticed, like, every day after that, I would always, like, I thought, you know, this was a one-time thing, so I'd go and I'd sit by myself again. And then, uh, but she'd be like, hey, come sit with us. Like, every time she saw me, she's just like, what are you doing sitting here by yourself? And so finally, uh, she made it a rule. She was like, no, no, you're not allowed to sit by yourself. <laughs> you got to come wow. sit with me and, and my group of friends. Yeah. So. And then you told me something about her Christianity, how it affected you. Can you share that? Yeah, it was like... It was a total, like, black and white from all the Christians, the Adventists that I grew up around. It was like seeing her just, the moment you met her, it was like she just radiated this light and this energy that was like, wow, you, you're really different. And, like, you really, you have something that has brought such a clear and deep joy to your life. And, like, what is that? I, I want that. So I wanted to know more. But, and so she... She invited me to her church and her youth group, and she, you know, she talked, she praised God all the time, and it was like, it wasn't like in your face about it, it was like genuine, like from her heart, she was like genuinely glad that, you know, God would do this for her or do that, and she's like, I just love God, and it was like, it was, it was so strange to me to see someone loving this God that I had learned was, didn't want anything to do with, you know, people, really. Do you believe that God still doesn't want anything to do with you? You're just no, one not at all. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, now I know. <laughs> See, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> um, That's okay. You can just be truthful. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just, it's like she taught me that God values you as a person and he's never going to leave you. And that was, I think, the hardest thing for me to accept and for me to learn was that even when everyone in my life walked out, left, abandoned me. God was never going to leave me. Mm. And it was difficult, but now that I know that, it's like, it's such a relief, and it, it always, like, brings a smile to my face. I'm always like, you know, no matter what happens, no matter who's in my life and who's not, you know, God's always going to be there. Yeah, amen. Uh, y the reason why I got to find out that we could do this interview is because you and I have talked, and I know that, that you still struggle with bouts of loneliness from time to time. Um, and yet, you have this great relationship with God, and do you have any advice for people that, that, yeah, that I wrote are struggling? You wrote it down. <laughs> nice. I, I didn't like want to forget. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. Okay, so I think, um, like you said, like I've been struggling with this still, um, but it's, you know, it's um, something I'm working on, but, uh, <laughs> sorry. That's Okay. But what, uh, one piece of advice that I can give you um, that's worked for me, and like I can't, I don't know if this will work for everyone, but you know, it's what's worked yeah, for me sure. really is just to like dive into the word. Like, and I'm not just gonna say like read your Bible. I want you to like, I mean, you're obviously here at church, 
So I just, I want you to figure out a way to, like, study the Bible. There's, like, studies you can do, like, things you can really do to, like, find out what, what it is for yourself, not just, like, believing in a faith that your parents believe in, believing in something that your friends believe in. I want you to, to look for a reason for something mm. that you can believe in to make it real for you. And good. good stuff right there. Yeah, and then... Uh, let's see, the second thing is uh, just like a simple like paradigm shift. Like you've just got to like shift your focus from I'm so lonely, where is everyone, where are all the people that could care about me? And instead like look outside of yourself, look at, look at other people because I feel, like, I feel like loneliness and selfishness are like, they can go hand in hand. I know we don't usually think of them as being, you know, like in the same category, but mm -hmm. sometimes they can go hand in hand and I feel like for me, loneliness was a very selfish thing like I kept all those years I just I kept looking at myself like looking inward like uh, what do I need I need someone to notice I need someone to care but I feel like God was just like no you need to be like looking outside of yourself look at other people what do they need what can you bring to to their life and like he's he was like you know friendship is a two-way street it's mm -hmm. not take 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 it's here let me see what I can give you. Let me bring something to your life instead of expecting you to give me everything. So it's just like that simple uh, awesome. focus shift. Um, just like make up a list of qualities that you want in a friend and, and, then, and then make those qualities your own, you know? Like be the person that you need in your darkest moment. Like be that person when mm. you have felt your loneliest, think of what you needed in that moment and try to be that for someone else. That's awesome. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like that's just like, <laughs> So let me, that, that's <laughs> fantastic. Let me ask you this. Uh, your experience with the Adventist Church was really not that good. Mm -hmm. And yet you moved here to the Tri-Cities, and you decided to go to an Adventist Church right away, which is really interesting to me. Have we in any way, shape, or form uh, helped your opinion of the Adventist Church? A lot. <laughs> okay, good. A what lot. Ways? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason I wanted to stick with an Adventist Church is just because, like, that's what I grew up believing in, like, I believe in the seventh day and, you know, the Sabbath Amen. and all that. And, like, Amen. I'm kind of loyal to the faith. So yeah. I was like, okay, maybe not all churches are like the one that I grew up in. Maybe not all people are like the one person who showed you a bad side, who hurt you. Not everyone is going to hurt you. So I found this church. I came here. And immediately from the moment that I walked in, it was like everyone, like, at the door, everyone in here was just so welcoming and inviting. And they were just like... They were, not only were they happy to have me here, but everyone is happy to be here. Like, I feel like, and I don't know if you're, like, grumpy right now, just whatever, <laughs> but, <laughs> but everyone We have like those, too. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just... And has it stopped? You've been coming now for almost a I know. year, right? Has yeah. it stopped? I uh, know. Everyone, yeah. no, I still love it here. I still feel, I feel like this is, like, where I belong, like... I was driving through, I just got to say this, I was driving <laughs> through, and you were walking in, and Paul just walks to you and puts his hand up, and you guys do a high yeah. five. I love that. You know, that yeah, I know, I love moment. that too, yeah. that was great. They do a great job out there, don't mm -hmm. they? Yeah. Well, listen, we want you to know that we love having you here, we love having you with New Wine in our Sabbath School class, uh, I know you've been getting involved with Mosaic, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. We're, we're so glad you're part of our family, and we hope that somehow, in some way, we can help dispel the darkness of loneliness. Thank you thank so you. much for being with me. Let's give her a big round of applause. <laughs> Man, I cannot imagine 
how hard that was. Thank you so much for sharing. Just great stuff right there. You know, loneliness is everywhere, doesn't it? Isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Look around you. I bet you there's somebody lonely in this room, maybe even in your pews. It contaminates everyone, young, old, rich, poor. doesn't really matter, does it? It's, it's in the Bible, loneliness, right? King David was lonely at times, running. Elijah, he was so lonely, he wanted to just die, right? You know, God had to show up and say, hey, hey, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> He's like, I'm the only one. No, you got 7,000 more. You just don't know where they are, right? Yeah. John the Baptist, he was, Jesus called him the greatest prophet that ever lived, right? And yet John the Baptist, when he gets arrested and he's in this lonely cell and he he's, he's knows that what's going to happen, he's starting to doubt. He says, you know, please find out, is this the one or should we look for another? Remember that? Loneliness. This is what loneliness does. If we're not check it, it can help us. Even the greatest prophet of all time, if we don't check it, loneliness can cause us to doubt even God and, and Jesus and, and the mission. And can I just tell you something, Brandy? You are one in seven billion, but you're the only one in seven billion who is like Brandy. And God made you a special way. And he will never, ever want anybody else to take your place because nobody else can. I want to take you to a verse in the Bible, and we're going to kind of culminate with this verse. It's found in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. And this is Paul, who also experienced tremendous amount of loneliness. And Paul is like type A personality. You wouldn't think so, but man, there he is in jail, and he's experiencing this. And he gets to a point, we call this dungeon talk. He gets to a point where he is in this Roman cell, and he says, do your best. He's writing to Timothy. He says, do your best to what? Come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescent is gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. I mean, they're just, everybody's left me. Only Luke is with me. He's the doctor. Only Luke is with me. He's the one who wrote the book of Luke, by the way. And then he says, get Mark, John Mark, the guy who ran away from the ministry. Bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. That's how lonely I am. <laughs> I sent Tychius to Ephesus, and when you come... Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. And what? My scrolls. Especially the parchments. Oh, Timothy, please, he says, try hard to get here before winter comes. These words echo from a cold, dark chamber deep beneath a first century uh, jail, prison, there's rats in there and roaches and Rome was not a nice place. Either upstairs or downstairs. The walls, thick block stones, musty and gray and grimy, some blood stained with probably criminals of old. 
The cold wind finds no resistance as it penetrates the lazy walls. And he feels a shiver. He's isolated and lonely, surrounded by only the dim torch light of a dancing flame. He gets to write some things once in a while. The Apostle Paul, lonely, shivering. Can you picture him? And he writes to an old friend on his last piece of parchment. Oh, Timothy, please try hard to get here before winter comes. The rattle of the rusty chains have almost become a familiar sound. Probably has names for them. Hey, Fred. Hey, Terrence. <laughs> he writes knowing that his days are numbered. He writes to overcome despair, sneak attack. His seasoned life has taught him loneliness cannot get the best of him. Paul knew well that the roaring lion was waiting to devour. Satan had tried really hard. He was beaten, he was spit upon, he was stoned, he was ridiculed. He didn't get to do all that he wanted to do. The time that wicked rebel, the accuser, summoned some of his best stuff, and that was this thing called loneliness. Oh, so Paul, there you are. You've dedicated your life to this cause. You've endured hardship. You've endured bodily harm, emotional stress, shipwreck, and the sting of church politics. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And where is the fruit of your labors? Your journey has taken you to this dungeon, cold and isolated. Where is God now? It was all for nothing. Even Peter was able to, to run away. He got, he got rescued. Where about you? And so Paul pens three things that I think are important for this. Number one, he says, do your best to come quickly. The first ingredient to the formula of overcoming loneliness is get together with friends. Hang out. I, I mean, I just really applaud uh, Brandy leaving her home and then coming here and saying, I'm going to be going somewhere where there is a community, and I'm going to make new friends, and I'm going to surround myself with those friends. That is fantastic. If you're feeling lonely, do not alienate those around you. Let them know. Prize them. Come quickly, he says. Proverbs 13 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And then number two, he says in 2 Timothy, he says, When you come, bring my cloak. Bring my coat. I need my coat. I must have left it in Troas. You'll have no trouble spotting it. It's old and torn and gritty and brown. It's been around for many, many years. But I love that coat. It's mine. It's familiar. Go to where you last saw the light. Go to where, if you're experiencing the darkness of loneliness, go to where you last saw the light. Go to, and, and find something familiar. And it's okay if it's old and torn. Go to it. There are times when I get depressed. I'm not going to lie to you. There are times when I get depressed and I get discouraged and I am lonely. You know what I do sometimes? I'll come here and I'll stop playing those drums. Nobody's in church, so I'm just going for it. Just going for it. And then finally, 
he says, and I love this because Brandy told us this, bring me my what? Scrolls. Don't you forget how powerful the word of God is. Don't you forget that. When you're feeling lonely, go to the word, study it, read it, absorb it. Approach it as if it is like a treasure hunt. Because if you do, God's going to reveal things to you that you've never, ever imagined. Nothing can keep the hope high more than the word of God. Amen? Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Remember that? It's famous for being small. It's 39th of a thousandth of an inch. You plant it in the ground. And after a while, in one season, it can be over 12 feet tall. From this tiny little minuscule thing, 12 feet tall, unlikely looking seed. All of a sudden, this large plant and there's birds on it. Sure, put it in the ground, Jesus says. And it's just a matter of time. Small beginnings, unlikely source, inevitable growth. Once it's in the ground, the contest is over. Oh, the outcome is inevitable. Yes, Paul. Yes, Brandy. Yes, Sergio. Yes, whatever. You, you know that, that you need this constant reminder. And I know you're, you're, you're experiencing depression and you're lonely. And I know you've... But I want to tell you something. Just take a hold of the kingdom of God. Even if it's just a tiny must, it's just hold on to that because it's just a matter of time. And God will do amazing things. Some of you have experienced deep loneliness. But God promised, I will be with you how often? Always. Some of you have felt as if you didn't belong anywhere. But I love what God says. He says, you are accepted in the beloved. And I love this. He says, you have come to Mount Zion. That's what you, you don't, don't forget where you've come. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. That's where you are. Like right now, we don't see them because they're invisible. But trust me on this, because the Bible tells us that people have seen them. In fact, some of you have seen them, you just don't even know you've seen them. But in those places that seem empty, there are angels sitting there. There are angels standing all around this place. We don't get to see them right now, but one day we will. Those angels, this is not some fantasy thing, man. Those angels are real. I've experienced them in my life, and I know you have. You may not know you have, but I know you have. Because I believe that when we get to heaven, there will be two voices that we will recognize. The voice of Jesus and the voice of our angel who protected us. We'll be like, wow, that was you all along. I believe that with all my heart. And so you are never alone. They are with you always. Brandy, I know you requested this song. And it's a great song to end with. It's called Beautiful Things. I want to read the words before you guys sing it. And the words are like this, just, just a little bit of the words. So when you sing it, you understand why somebody like Brandy would say, yeah, let's do this one. All this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. 
I wonder if my life could really change at all. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden truly come out of this ground at all? You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. You believe it? Amen. When you see Brandy, make sure you give her a big hug. Let her know how much you love her. Amen.